You are listening to episode number 25 of the Secondary Science Simplified podcast. If your undergraduate program or teacher certification program was anything like mine, you only learned a small amount of truly practical information to take with you into the classroom. And I'm not blaming it on my professors by any means. I just feel like there's only so much you can learn from talking about theories or even shadowing another teacher. So much of my education as a teacher has been a trial by fire, so to speak, of really learning things the hard way. This is especially true when it comes to teacher habits. That first year with a classroom full of 25 plus teenagers staring at you hour after hour is like drinking out of a fire hose. You're just doing the best you can to manage all of the things and you're figuring out so much as you go all with an audience of adolescents judging your every move. I know for me personally that as a consequence, it resulted in the formation of a lot of not-so-great teacher habits that I created as survival mechanisms, kind of, to get by those first few years. Over time, though, I learned from my experience and the wisdom of other teachers I was teaching alongside, and I had to really rework how I did a lot of things in the classroom. Once I did though, wow, how I wish I had known to implement these teacher habits when I first started teaching. And while I can't go back in time and change the course of history, I can at least share some of these teacher habits that I learned the hard way with you. So that's what I will be doing in each episode that airs this month. I'm going to share a teacher habit that I've learned along the way that I wish I had started my first year teaching. In today's episode, we are going to talk specifically about the importance of proactivity and how being proactive and making proactivity one of your habits as a teacher can save you so much time and energy in the long run, especially when it comes to interactions with our students, parents, and guardians. So let's get to it. This is Secondary Science Simplified, a podcast for secondary science teachers who want to engage their students and simplify their lives. I'm Rebecca Joyner from It's Not Rocket Science. As a high school science teacher turned curriculum writer, I'm passionate about helping other science teachers love their jobs, serve their students, and do it all in only 40 hours a week. Are you ready to rock the time you spend in your classroom and actually have a life outside of it? You're in the right place, teacher friend. Let's get to today's episode. Hello and happy summer to those of you who are now officially listening to this on your summer break. And to my friends, most of you up in the Northeast who are still teaching, the end really is in sight. And I hope this podcast can encourage you as you finish out your year because we will keep having episodes out every morning for you. Now, for today's episode, I want to share with you how I learned the hard way what a difference proactivity and putting in the time and effort on the front end can make in the long run in your classroom. I really feel like being proactive in every facet of this job made all of the difference in simplifying it for me. I found that the more I did on the front end to be proactive, the better I was set up to not have to constantly be reactive and feel like I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off, putting out fires and dealing with issues that kept popping up. 
I saw this in my lab day prep, in how I was lesson planning, and in how I manage my students, both as a whole class and when dealing with individual behavior issues one-on-one. And now I have so much I could say about all of these sub areas, and I know that I will probably end up making podcasts about each of these sub areas along the way. But today I want to tell you about two things. First, lab day prep, and then we'll really get into the meat of this episode and talking about proactivity with parents. So particularly with lab day prep, I learned from my conversations with so many of you in my DMs and in my inbox that I was not the only person who felt like lab days could be really stressful depending on the group of students you're working with and the resources you may or may not have. And so this actually led me last summer to create my very first free live virtual training. And I want to let you know about it because I'm going to offer it again this summer. So this free workshop is called Three Secrets to Stress-Free Lab Days. And like I said, I learned from my own experience that proactivity made all of the difference in how my lab days went, regardless of the amount of supplies I had or the budget I had to spend on labs or how wild my eighth graders happened to be that year. So that's how this free one-hour virtual professional development workshop was born. And the feedback last summer was super positive that I wanted to bring it back again this summer because I just had a lot of fun doing it too. And so I would love to see you there. I'm going to be offering it a few different days at various times to try to accommodate as many different schedules and time zones as possible. So the best way to find a time that works for you is to head to stressfreelabday.com and register. And if you end up missing the live workshop, you get a replay that will get emailed to you. But if you do register and you do attend live, everyone who comes live gets a bonus for showing up. And it's one of my favorite resources for being proactive on lab day that has made all of the difference. And again, you get this by registering and showing up. You can head to stressfreelabday.com or head to the link in the show notes for this episode and it'll all be linked there for you. Okay, so like I said at the start of this episode, proactivity makes all the difference in how I did this job and I prepped for lab days, but it also really made such a difference in how I interacted with parents. And so that's what the bulk of today's episode is going to be about. If I am completely honest, when I first started teaching, I was not proactive in the slightest when it came to parent relationships and communication with them. My only strategy, if you can even call it that, was to basically just engage with parents as little as I possibly could. I was 22 in my first year teaching, but I looked 14, and I was often mistaken for a student. I was also completely naive to how crazy about and completely blind to shortcomings so many parents could be about their children. And I say this now truly with humility because Now I have my own children and I too am a crazy parent who is absolutely in love with my children and blind to their shortcomings. So I get that perspective now in a way that I definitely didn't as a first year teacher. So having this be my strategy, I was very surprised when I had my first negative encounter with a parent, my first year teaching, and it really, really rocked me. If you are a longtime reader of my blog, it's not rocketscienceclassroom.com, then you have heard me admit before 
that my strategy was basically to avoid communicating with parents and guardians at all costs and then just put out fires as they arose, which happened with much greater frequency every nine-week progress report or at the semester report cards that were sent out. And just saying that out loud truly makes me stress sweat thinking about how horrible of a habit this was that I created for myself. The fires would start to pile up and there was always just so much drama and emotional intensity around every interaction I had with parents because I was doing such a poor job managing the situation. And I was just always reacting to whatever situation was right in front of me as opposed to being proactive about them. And this happened a lot my first few years teaching. It wasn't just like a one-time instance. So this strategy was clearly a fail and it was not effective and it was just not sustainable at all. But over time, I learned that the best way to communicate with parents was just to proactively engage them and make it a priority and to really see parents as an asset and partners that I could have in this journey to reach their students as opposed to a burden that was like another thing on my plate. So I'm going to share with you four ways that I completely reoriented my strategy that are really specific. Some of these I came up with on my own, some I learned from trial and error, and some I learned from other teachers, but they all made a huge difference. And so I hope they will help you too, whether you're able to apply them now as the school year's wrapping up or you consider applying them as you enter a new school year next year. So first and foremost, I found that it was so important to pursue relationships with parents from the beginning of the year and really start prioritizing those relationships with parents and guardians from day one. I don't know about you, but I I can just mostly assume that you probably wouldn't be teaching high schoolers if you didn't have some sort of natural affinity for teenagers. Personally, I just love 14 to 18-year-olds. I love being a part of some of their most formative years before they're really released into the real world, so to speak. But I really didn't realize until further into my career how important engaging with their parents would be as well. And really, this lesson hit home when I started teaching at a private school. That changed everything. When I was at a large public school, I probably knew like 10% of my students' parents But at the private school I taught in, I knew every parent and I often had entire sibling groups over the course of the time that I taught there. So I was teaching three or four brothers or sisters over the course of that time. So you really got invested in the family and really knew the parents really well. So needless to say, in these situations, ignoring parents and not having a relationship with them at all, which was my original brilliant parent communication system was not an option. So I, instead of fighting it, I realized I really had to embrace it. So from our very first orientation day at the beginning of the year, I started making it a priority to learn parents and students' names. I even went above and beyond to send an extra email to try to get parents to attend our back-to-school night so I could get that face-to-face time with them. And specifically for my AP Biology students' parents, I tried to set up parent-teacher conferences within the first weeks of school with every AP Bio student's parents just to get on the same page and make sure I especially had a relationship with them since it was such a high-stakes class. So if you haven't already, or if you're thinking about how you want to do things differently next year, I really recommend starting to get to know parents or just committing to that from the very beginning. 
Because what I found is you want them on your side, so to speak, if things are going to go downhill with a student. And we'll talk about what that looks like in a minute. Now, if you hearing me say this just sounds completely terrible, don't feel ashamed. I felt the same way. And I think it can really start, if you're overwhelmed by the idea of getting to know parents, start by just getting to know students well and building relationships with them and then make an effort to show their parents that you're doing so. So go to students' games, go to their concerts or NHS induction ceremonies, stay a few minutes after to say hi to the student and maybe you'll get to see and meet their parent too. If they work at a restaurant or a gas station near you, make a point to swing by in there and see them. I really feel like when parents see how much we care about their student as an individual, it immediately forges a connection between the two of you. And even if a parent doesn't see the effort and time you're putting into that individual student, that time and connection or relationship with the student is worthwhile and it will pay off in the end, regardless if the parent knows it exists or not. So if it feels overwhelming to start with parents, start with the students, but do try to make it a priority to build those relationships with parents. Because if you have that connection, dealing with conflict becomes so much easier. So that brings me to my second strategy and tip. At the first sign of a potential conflict, bring parents in for a face-to-face conference. Okay, hear me out. I know this may seem like an overreaction, but I really feel like doing this keeps molehills as molehills rather than letting them become mountains, so to speak. I used to be terrified of parent-teacher conferences and having to speak with parents face-to-face. But about three years into my teaching career, I finally overcame my fear and started inviting parents to meet face-to-face at the first sign of an issue, whether it was disciplinary or academic, and it made such a difference. It was such a game changer. It was just so much easier to communicate my tone and to show how much I really cared about the student if I was able to talk to a parent or guardian face-to-face rather than through an email. Emails have just become so cold over the years, and I find that most parents or just people in general are often offended at the words in an email because they can't hear the tone. This is one of the reasons why I want to start this podcast. I love my email list. I love sending out weekly emails, but I find I can express my tone so much easier when I'm able to do it over the podcast. And it's even better when you could do that face-to-face with a parent. This also allows you not just to tell a parent that you care, but to show them that you care. You can also really bring them into what your classroom experience is like. And consider if it's an academic issue that might be arising with a student, it's so much easier to demonstrate what you're seeing in person. You can really show them, okay, hey, here is a sample lab report or a sample open response question I got from your student. Here is a different student in the class. This is more the level or the depth of explanation that I'm looking for. And of course, it needs to remain anonymous. You need to block off their name, whatever. But I found that really helps parents, especially if you're dealing with an honor student or an AP student, that they have always been A-plus honor students or A-plus AP students, and you're the first time they're getting a B or a C or you know, maybe a D. And you can really show them face to face. Hey, here's what I'm seeing from your student. Here's kind of the standard I'm looking for and I'm getting from other students in the class. You know, so many parents want to know, well, what was the class average? If my student got this on the test, I want to know the class average. And I think 
it's not as much about the number as being able to see on paper the difference. And I can't tell you what a difference that makes. I also love to just have parents in my classroom because they can see, oh, look, your student is stressed about due dates or can't keep up with due dates. You can see here, here's where my due date calendar is for students to see. Here's where I keep the daily class agenda. Here's where I have the link on my whiteboard to my class website where I update this XYZ. Or here's the sign that shows my daily tutoring hours after school from 3 to 3.30 every day. I would love to see your student there and support them there. So I just feel like giving them the visuals and giving them that physical experience in your classroom makes all the difference for them really seeing your intentionality and what you're doing to support their students. I also found that if you can just kind of get this first initial meeting one-on-one, face-to-face early in the year, it just makes it so much easier then if they see your name come up in their inbox when you send an email later on or in the learning management system when you send them a message or whatever it may be. They now have a face to the name and they now know what your voice sounds like. They know your tone. They know your care. And it just makes those future correspondences so much easier. You shouldn't be having to do this 10 times. You shouldn't even have to do this two or three times with a parent. It should be hopefully a one-time meet and greet face-to-face. Let's talk about this issue and let's talk about it before it's really become this really high sensitivity issue where you have a really negative conflict going on with a a student long-term. Let's talk about it now before it's really become this emotional conversation so that then if I have to follow up with you later, we can do it more casually with less pressure and hopefully less emotion in an email setting. And you can do it at a time when it's not May and a student's grade is too far gone. Like there's no recovery at this point because the year is wrapping up. Doing it early and being proactive about it makes it so much easier to solve the issue before it even has to become a huge issue. Now, another component of my parent communication strategy that was less personal, because I know that takes a lot of effort from you to have to meet with these people face-to-face. But this is another part of my strategy that requires a little bit less effort, but is still really effective, is to have a consistent mass communication system so that parents feel in the know. So you're going to want to set up something that's some sort of regular communication with parents. It could be something you send out every week. It could be bi-weekly. Just choose what feels manageable for you that you can actually maintain consistently and pick any system that works best for you. I have dabbled in all sorts of different communication strategies in my teaching career and I've settled on something that works best for me, but you may find something you like better. So you can have a really basic class website with a tab for each class that you update each day with what was done that day and what's due. This is a great place for absent students to go to as well to find out what they missed. So this was kind of my favorite thing, but this again was before our huge virtual teaching age where we all have Google Classrooms and fancy things now. But I just had a super simple Google site. I had a tab for each class. I had a really easy URL that students could get to it easily, just a bit.ly link. I kept the link on my whiteboard so parents could see it if they came in. Students always could see it. And it was just kind of your go-to spot for all information for my class. And I spent five minutes updating it every day before I left for school. Now, I've had other teacher friends that love to text. They use something like Remind 101 where they can kind of get into students and parents' phones through an anonymous text system. You can do that. You can send out an end-of-week email, like a Friday newsletter, Friday 
bulletin that's super simple, which is a bulleted list of like, hey, here's what we did this week, upcoming due dates, have a great weekend, goodbye. You could also send a broadcast through your school's learning management system. So whatever system you're in, Blackboard or whatever, send something out to the whole class through there and their parents and let them know information. It really doesn't matter what you pick. Just pick something and stick with it. And even if you're thinking, well, parents will never read this. If you have it out there, if they come at you at some point and say, well, I didn't know about this or it's so confusing or I don't understand the online gradebook, whatever it is, you can say, well, you might be missing then my emails I've been sending out every week. Let me make sure I have your correct email address right now. Let's check for typos. Let's make sure I'm not going in your spam folder. And then that way you'll be getting these every week. Or, hey, have you logged into the learning management system? I send out weekly broadcasts. Let's get on there now. Make sure you have a correct username and password so you can access this. And even better, admin love this too. They love that proactivity for you to be able to say, hey, here's what I've been doing. And again, it allows you to be more proactive rather than having to be reactive in a situation. And if you're addressing issues early, again, it takes the emotion out of it and makes this a less stressful conversation if you're having it in August as opposed to April. Okay, so, so far, we have talked about a lot, I know. I This is getting long and I'm sorry, but I just have so much to say about this. So we wanna first, pursue relationships from the beginning of the year. Second, we wanna, at the first sign of a potential conflict or issue, bring parents in for a face-to-face conference. Third, we wanna have some sort of mass communication system to keep parents consistently in the know. And then last but not least, I really want to encourage you to send parents positive encouragement about their students. Again, I know this will feel like a lot of additional responsibility on your plate, but I'll tell you how I did it really simply. But I think this is just so important because so many parents only hear from us when something goes wrong. And that's so discouraging. Like, You don't want them to open their email one day and they see, oh, there's an email from Rebecca Joyner. Oh no, it's gonna be about, you know, Susie and I don't wanna hear what she has to say. You know, I even think about my my oldest is in 4K. So we're not even in grade school yet, people. But when his teacher just tells me the smallest encouraging thing at school pickup that she saw in him that day, it makes my heart so happy and it endears me so much to her because I think, wow, she sees my kid. I get to see her seeing my kids. And that makes me really trust her and respect her as an educator, as someone who cares. So that then if she does have anything negative to say, like he gets in a fight on the playground or whatever, I feel like she really does know him. And it puts me less on the defense of my child and helps me really trust the teacher. So I really feel like if I feel this way towards my child who's four, I'm sure this is how our parents of high schoolers feel too. And I just, again, I feel like this is a major boost to relationships. It's worth the time. So start with a super small goal. Say, I'm going to reach out to each parent individually once a quarter. So that's only four times a year you're going to do it. And then maybe you work your pace up and you're reaching out to them once a month. The way I accomplished this was I blocked out Fridays at lunch to do this. So I said, Fridays at lunch, I'm going to just email as many parents as I can while I'm eating or whatever it may be. Or, you know, I always did tutoring after school from 3 to 3.30, the first 30 minutes after school. And I pretty much always had students Monday through Thursday, but Fridays, very few kids are staying for tutoring. So then Friday afternoons could be the time where you jot off a few during the time that normally you'd be tutoring. But 
I would just send them and I would keep it super quick. How would I structure it? I would just send positive feedback and I would keep it so, so small, like one to two sentences. It doesn't have to be this huge thing. Just, hey, I wanted to reach out about Trayvon. He was just so kind in class this week. I saw how he was working with his partner on this lab and just really encouraged me to see um, his teamwork and his positivity. Just wanted to let you know that. Hope you have a great weekend. Sign your name. Like so, so simple. And I kept a log of my parent communication and I will link it in the show notes. So if you go to it's not rocket science classroom.com slash episode 25, that's how you can access the show notes. But I will link this. It's a Google sheet. It's not fancy, but it's kind of just where I recorded when I was emailing uh, or corresponding with parents. So I could keep track of it and make sure I was doing it as frequently as I wanted to. And again, the hope is that doing this with parents by sharing the good news, it will help them to see that you really do see and care for their child. And it will help them hear you out more if you do have to reach out at a different point with some not so good news. Now, let's say something negative does arise with the student and you have to reach out with the parent. I always recommend doing it immediately, addressing it as soon as possible, but still always starting the email with something positive. This wasn't something I always did, but I was actually challenged by one of my admin in a quarter like conference with them. And he said, you know, I love your, how you prioritize time and efficiency, but you're a little too succinct in your emails and they can come off harsh. And so while I respect, you know, your brevity, that harshness can be corrected if you just soften it a little. So instead, every time I wrote an email to a parent, I would write, add in one or two positive sentences first about the growth I saw or something like that before I moved into where we were having an issue. And you would be, I was amazed personally how much better those emails were received and how much more of a partnership it formed with parents because we want to work with parents to see their students succeed in that way. So I really hope this episode encourages you with these four specific strategies you can start implementing right now or really consider implementing at the start of next school year to be more proactive in your relationships with students, parents, and guardians. If I could do my first few years teaching all over again, I would take the time to be proactive in these ways so that I could spend less time and energy having to constantly be reactive with student issues. I so hope this helps. And as always, thank you for listening to the podcast today. Just a reminder, you can find all links that I've mentioned in the show notes, which are available at itsnotrocketscienceclassroom.com slash episode 25. And don't forget, if you're interested in learning more about how I am proactive specifically in regards to preparing and managing lab days, I have a free one-hour virtual professional development coming up called Three Secrets to Stress-Free Lab Days. All registrants get to attend the live training for free from the comfort of your own home. Plus, if you attend live, you get one of my favorite resources that will help you be proactive on lab day. So just head to stressfreelabday.com or click the link in the show notes to register. I would love to see you there. All right, teacher friends, that wraps up today's episode. If you're looking for an easy way to start simplifying your life as a secondary science teacher, head to itsnotrocketscienceclassroom.com slash challenge to grab your classroom reset challenge. And guess what? It's totally free. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll see you here next week. Until then, I'll be rooting for you, teacher friend.